Welcome to the URM Journey to Academic Medicine podcast, also known as the URM Jam, brought to you by the Society of Teachers of Family Medicine. We will address the real and perceived barriers faced by historically underrepresented in medicine students and residents when considering a career in academic family medicine, and provide practical tips and personal advice on topics like leadership, scholarly activity, CVs, mentorship, and more. I'm Dr. Omari Hodge. And I'm Dr. Tochi Iroku Maliz, and this is URM Jam. Welcome to another episode of URM Jam. I am Omari Hodge. And I am Tochi Iroko Belize. And today our guest is Dr. Renee Critchlow. So Dr. Renee Critchlow is the Chief Medical Officer of Codman Square FQHC and the Vice Chair of Health Equity at Boston University Department of Family Medicine. She's also the Medical Editor for Diversity, Equity and Inclusion for the American Family Physician Journal and the founder of The Ladder, which is a structured environment of service learning, leadership development, and cascading mentorship and a club for children to get interested in health careers. Welcome, Dr. Renee Crislow. She's also a good friend, so <laughs> welcome. Welcome. Thank you, Dr. Tochi. Thank you, Dr. Omari. Appreciate it. It's glad to be here. We're so glad to have you. There's so much that I'm looking forward to. So with that said, let me jump in with this first question. Um, so your name is well known with academics and we know that you deal with students and residents and that's nothing new to you. But I do wanna ask you, what are some real or perceived barriers you've seen um, that kind of stand in the way of increasing underrepresented minorities in terms of them getting access to academics? And how can students and residents overcome this? And I'll, and I'll add a part B to that, if you will. In addition to these obstacles, what are some things they should be doing now to prepare their academic portfolio so that they can be more attractive when, when they are ready to apply? That's an excellent question. I appreciate that one, Dr. Myers. It's a good one to start off on. There are a lot of challenges in getting involved in academic medicine. Mm -hmm. And one of the biggest ones is realizing that, number one, it's a possibility. I look back on my own career, and I remember when I was in, uh, entering medical school, I found out like on the, the second day of medical school what family medicine was. And I was like, oh, definitely going to do that. That's because that's what doctors do. Doctors mm -hmm. take care of all the people all the time. <laughs> and I had some amazing, amazing family medicine role models at uh, University of California, Davis. Uh, and I was like, wow, this is really cool. I would like to be like, but I didn't really have it in my mind that that was something that was possible. I just thought they were someone I, I would, you know, I'd model the behavior, the way they engage with patients. And I, you know, I'd been teaching most of my undergrad as a tutor and things like that. And I'd enjoyed that, but I never really thought of that as a pathway that I would take for myself. And I'd have to say that one of the things that was really helpful for me was I matched my residency at University of California, Davis. And the people that I trained with in medical school were also the people that I trained with as a resident. And so we knew each other quite well. And they were very supportive and mentoring of me. And I totally grew a lot and they encouraged me to do things like uh, run for chief and learn how to do you know the management that comes with uh, being a chief resident and things and i remember in my last year i was getting ready to you know fly off to montana and and work in a and work in a uh, small town and uh one of the things that 
happened was I did my grand rounds as every uh, resident in our uh, last year, third year, you had to do a grand rounds presentation. And my chief, uh, my chair at the time, uh, Dr. Claire Batakis, she came up to me after I did my grand rounds presentation. And she did something that I think is really important uh, that a lot of us don't realize how powerful it is. She came up to me and she said, you need to think about teaching. And I was like, well, I'm going to go off to Montana and work in a small <laughs> town. It's called Red Lodge. It's really cool. It's right near the ski slope. I'll be snowboarding. And she's like, no, you need, I, that was an excellent presentation. You need to think about, um, you need to think about doing this. And she's like, make an appointment to talk to me. Wow. And, and she did. She, she followed through on all of her stuff. Everything she said, she was like, you, you have the ability to do this and we're going to help you do it. Mm. And I got to say, it's those kind of touches that, you know, change your life. So what I'm looking at is it's really hard to get into medical school. It's really challenging to get into medical school. It's really challenging to do all the stuff that we do. But what we have to look at is like, you know, how do we help each other along the way? And one of the things you looked at is like, there weren't a lot of people that, you know, the first time I had a black professor in my life, first time I had a black professor in my life was a third year of medical school and it was our ER attending. And she was amazing. There's like, this is not something, it just, you didn't have people that looked like you, that did the things you did. So um, what I say to people is look around. If you see people like you that are doing things you enjoy doing, you need to talk to them. And if you're in that position, as an attending, as a PD, as a chair, if you see people that you're like, this person has a lot of potential, this is someone that I would like to have involved with caring for our students and our, our residents, you know, talk to them early. I start recruiting people at, you know, basically in high school. I start recruiting people to be doctors. I start recruiting people to be doctors in, in, in nine years old. Right. I start recruiting them to be family medicine attendings in high school. You gotta, you gotta work these things. Yes. And, and, it's, and it's mainly because people just wanna hear that they can do it. Right. That's the biggest thing. Yeah. They just wanna hear that it can be done. And um, I wouldn't have done it. Before you even go further, I just have to yeah. say, I'm, I'm giving props to, to the chair. You said it was the chair of the department that stopped yeah. you as a chief resident doing right. rounds. Right. That's that you have the gift. You need to go into academic medicine. I'm just giving major props to that chair for even taking the time out to talk to you and, and, and to give you that word. Because she could have or, listened, heard it and said, you know what, in her thought, in her mind, could have said, yeah, she's going to be great one day in academic medicine and just kept walking. But she took the time out to pull you aside and let you know this and said, follow up with me because you know now at your level, following up with you, the calendar is full. <laughs> so to oh, yeah. Somebody that, you know, follow up with me, I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, kind of direct you. That is amazing. I, I, I'm just amazed by that. That's great. That's awesome. Yeah, no, and it, it's one of those things where uh, there's a, if you ever get a chance, there's a TED talk that talks about a lollipop moment. Look into that. Because okay. it was a real lollipop moment. It was just something she decided to do and say that changed my life. And it was great. But isn't it um, like that? I, I'm sorry. When you were saying no, something, it made me think about it. I was just talking to a colleague of mine just today, and her exact words were she has a niece who is doing, who's in medical school and wants to be a family medicine physician. 
And the way it all started was she was going to the office one day and she looked at her niece and said, hey, um, do you want to come to the office with me? Just joking. And then he said yes and just kept following her. And now she's in a position to where she's in school to be a family medicine physician. And I'm listening to what you guys are saying. And it sounds like some of these thoughts that may pop in our minds that we think are just, you know, just a fleeting moment. If we make them actionable or intentional, they can really transform people's lives. Yeah. And it's, and it's part of our responsibility as educators to be intentional. We have to always be looking for the next generation. And this is one of the things that I think is going to be really important for anyone interested in academic medicine right now. The boomers have to retire soon. It's, it's got to happen. I mean, kisses, love them. But they are retiring soon. I just, full disclosure, I think I'm at the cusp at the end of the boomer generation. Yeah. <laughs> no, and, and there, there's like, well, the big bulk is, you know, within five to, definitely within 10 years, five to 10 years, there's going to be amazing position, number of positions open up in academia. So if you're like a, you know, if you're a college senior right now and you're interested, there's a place for you. And the other thing is, Every single place is understanding that it's important to have faculty that reflect the populations of the patients we care for. Absolutely. So they're looking for us. And the thing is, they're competing for a small pool of people. What we have to do is start looking around and pulling people in and say, "This, this pool is a great pool. You need to be in this pool. Being an academic family physician is one of the, if it's right for you, it is the only thing that's right for you because it's awesome. You get you get to work with people at every single level of their career, and you get to help patients by helping people learn how to take care of patients. And it's amazing. If they are interested in that, because I know a lot of medical students and residents are right now listening and, and they're they're like all energized and charged. Um, but I know one of the things in their mind is if somebody if i sit in front of somebody right now and they ask to see my portfolio or or my or my or my accomplishments up to this point i don't know that i measure up what what would you say to them or what 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 can they be doing to make sure that when they have that conversation that they're that they don't feel less than okay so that's really good one of the first things you have to realize is that there's a lot of people who are worse than you who apply for positions like this. And that is important because what it's, it takes guts to step up and say, I can teach this. And people are like, well, I don't know everything. I'm like, you don't have to know everything. You're here to help each other grow and help each other learn how to critically think. And we can do that together. So number one, don't think if you don't have all the check boxes, you can't do it. That's mm. absolutely inaccurate. That's good. Because like I said, there's someone else who's willing to apply for that position who may not look like the patients that you're taking care of. Anyway, so believe that it's possible. Get rid of imposter syndrome. Imposter syndrome is there as some sort of internalized oppression. Kick that effort to the curb. That's gone. You have something to offer and you need to know that that's real. So that's one. Number two, start talking with people. Start talking with the people that you admire. Go up to them in, in class, go up to them on rounds, let them know that, you know, this is something I, I think what you do is amazing. I would like to do this someday. Trust me, there's no family physician that wouldn't be like, oh, my God, that's so amazing. We like to recruit. 
Yes, we we're do. like the Borg. We're just like, what uh, is <laughs> I have never heard that example used in a positive way. I like that. The Borg. Yeah. Okay. So it's like, meet the people that you admire. Talk to the people that you want to grow up to be. And even if the people that you work with are not the kinds of attendings you want to grow up to be, learn from them because you learn not to be that attendant. That's an important yeah, thing. I agree with that. Start getting involved with stuff. Go to the Society of Teachers of Family Medicine, SDFM conferences. Talk to people. Go to the interesting things, the things that interest you, and talk to the people that are putting them on. Trust me, they may look like rock stars, but they actually just want to hang out and chat with you because if you're interested in what they're interested in, they're excited. Yeah. So go to the conferences. Go to the, um, the American Academy of Family Physicians National Conference. Talk to the people at the different places, whether you're a student or a resident. Talk around. What part of the country do you want to live in? Go talk to people who live in those residencies and, you know, find out if they're your people. And if they're close to being your people, make them your people. <laughs> go on rotations. Um, you know, go on away rotations. Do your AIs. But the most important thing is demonstrate your interest. Mm. Make those connections and then start building your skills. Your skills as a family physician, your skills as a leader, your skills as an educator. A lot of those things, the generation that was ahead of me in, in, in academia, they didn't learn that in school. They learned that by doing. Mm. I'm Gen X and the millennials, Gen X and millennials, we, we've gone to workshops and all kinds of things. Very few of us started learning how to teach, learning what education was, learning what adult, what teaching adults means yeah. in you know, medical school or residency. One of the biggest things I run into people is like, oh, I didn't do anything in medical school or, oh, I didn't do anything in residency. I was like, you survived medical school. You yes. survived residency. Right, right, right. Bingo. Right. You're a leader. Right, 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 right. And then they also, I mean, some of the things, like even as students, right, if you have study groups, you're teaching each other, right? So that's, right. Part, of your, that's part of academic. You're, you're really learning how to digest material and share that information with other people. So that's the, and if you're a resident, you're teaching the medical students or you're teaching the nurses or you're teaching your patients, right? Patient education. You're right. teaching, you're yeah. talking in the communities and people at your church or your synagogue or your mosque or wherever it is. And they're right. asking you that, can you talk about blood pressure? And you're like, okay, fine. That's yeah. teaching. So there, right. sometimes people think that it has to be a straight for a straight yes. curriculum or, or a way to do it. But there are so many opportunities that people are already doing and they don't realize that that's part of it. That's that what you're already doing it. And if you, you know, if you're not, well, you are already doing it. If you're a student, you're already studying with some other people. So. <laughs> so. Right, 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 right. You know, there's a challenge that comes with being around a lot of smart people. And I think one of the things that Dr. Renee just alluded to is that when we're around all these smart people, sometimes we'll allow that imposter syndrome to creep in because we don't feel like there's anything special about us anymore. And forgetting that the way we are uniquely made and put together is special and that we have something uniquely to contribute. So I love the way you guys just both spoke to that. It's, and it's so important that we realize that you don't have to be an expert to have expertise. Mm. It's like your, your existence really helps mm. you develop your expertise. You have a point of view that no other people on that faculty will have. Yes. And you have the ability to craft your career and your life so that it is one of growth. You don't show up as a fully formed academic junior faculty. I know everything that doesn't happen. 
And if you try to do that, you're just going to drive yourself crazy and you make everyone else crazy. It's like, think about what you would tell a, a, a student or a patient. You know, it's about growth. And we have a lot of people. Um, I've personally helped a lot of people go directly from residency into faculty. Yeah. And I've had a lot of folks who I, I, I really felt they could have done just right from residency to faculty. It was like, oh, I can't do it. I need to go out and learn everything, and then I'll come back and teach. Mm. And, mm. and as an attending who I went directly from you know, residency to faculty, right. I'm like, okay, well, if that's your, if that's your emotional makeup, yes. that is fine. And that is totally legit and valid. But if what's keeping you from making that leap is that I don't know everything, Trust me, none of the people that you have as attending know everything even now. Correct. And the right. And and that is okay. Right. Yeah. To be the humble teacher, to know what you don't know, right? That's and that's what we yeah. for our residents. Know what right. you don't know so that you you know when to ask for help or to when to search for more information. And that's that's part of it. Research, right. done research as well, you know, research, uh, looking into quality improvement projects writing curriculum just different types of things so just being curious that that yes having that curious mind right that you you're not um, satisfied with just the status quo of the information you have now but you're willing to learn more uh, you know forever learning and forever sharing that new knowledge with others right um, so i think that's really really important uh, so I don't know. I, I think also for residents, you know, some of these places they have academic fellowships if they're interested in doing that. But then, but then you don't. Again, like you said, you don't have to do that. It's not necessary. If you really, really want to, that's fine. There are some great structured programs that have sure. fellowships just for people going into academia. Sure. Um, but if you're a student, go to it. Have an, a special uh, um, selective in academia. You know, do. If resident, have your one of your electives in in academic medicine if that's what you want to do. If you feel you want it a little bit extra, but it's absolutely not necessary. I, I'm like you, Doctor Renee. I pulled some people and said, "Listen, you're going to be faculty when I was PD. It's like you're going to be faculty when you graduate." It's like, wait, no, no, no. It's like, no, you can do it. And a number of people I have now in my department are faculty. Um, there are some who were said, you know what, let me go out and do other things first. And I said to them, there's a spot for you always. And while they were yeah, out yeah. doing other things, I made them guest lecturers. I said, you will teach, you will give us a lecture once okay. a month or, you know, to the residents uh, just to keep your foot in academia. And then later on, you know, years later, when they were ready to switch back to academia, I was like, come on down. And it's that sort of intentionality for leaders. Like you as a PD, you were looking out for the future. And we have to do that when we're in the positions, quote unquote, of power. It's like you, because someone tapping you and saying, nah, you can do this. And they're like, well, I got to go do this. So like, okay, well, still come teach with us because you have something to offer. You let people know that they have something to offer. And that's critical. Mm. And in, in my own career, when I think about it, it's like, now we have so many opportunities. I tell folks, hey, you know, uh, the American Academy of Family Physicians, AAFP, they have emerging leaders for the for residents who are interested in going into academics. There's a tons of places where you can actually sort of, you know, tip your toe into it. But one of the things I really want to get across to people is another barrier that I see and that I've run into when I try to recruit people is they're like, I can't afford to be an academic physician. So this is what you do. If you're concerned about loans being an issue, one of the things you need to do is if there's a department that you're very interested in teaching at, you need to go talk to them. You need to be like, hey, 
I want to be a, an academic family medicine doctor here. I want to take care of this population. I want to help students here. I can be an asset. I have $300,000 in loans. What are we going to do about it? What are we going to do about that? Because I'll tell you, like one of the things, because <laughs> people, it's like you can't, I've, almost every job I've gotten, I've gone to them and said, you need me. What are you going to do about that? And this is the thing. I may seem special, but I'm not. I just want certain things to happen in my life. And when you want it, you need to go get it. And you need to do things like demonstrate your interest, make connections, and build your skills. And then ask for what you need. Because there's places, they have loan repayment in certain clinics they have. They have um, research uh, level fellowship loan repayments. There's ways to deal with this. Give them an, an opportunity to recruit you. Let them know that's a barrier. And then go get it. I love that. So now, if you so your final three take home points and action or action items you can read. I know you've mentioned them throughout the talk, but what what are you going to tell our the audience out there that they need to do? Demonstrate interest by talking to people that you admire and you want to be. Make the connections throughout the academic environment using STFM conferences. You know, there's multiple every year, and. Build your skills by engaging with people who are doing the things you like to do, whether it's preparing, you know, curriculum, you can, you can jump in and help someone out with that. Just demonstrate your interest, whether it's learning special skills, you want to teach ultrasound, do extra ultrasound, let that be a skill that you're bringing. Build the, build the attending you want to be starting right now, and then go get it. Mm. Excellent. Thank you so much. Wow. It. Dr. Renee Critchlow, thank you so, so much for joining us today. As usual, very inspiring. I'm motivated. I'm like, okay, what do I do next? I know. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm supposed to be doing something right now, I feel. Yes, I'm ready to jump up. <laughs> so thank you very much for, for joining us today. Um, Dr. Mara, do you have any last words you want to say? No, I'm just um, really blown away. And I'm just... I wish I could turn back the clock and, and listen to this, you know, a few years back, but I'm going to make sure that if it's in my power, the people who are within my influence are listening to this now. So really appreciate it. Yeah, well, Dr. Mari, Dr. Church, I totally appreciate it. Anytime you need me, give me a call. You've been listening to the URM Journey to Academic Medicine podcast, brought to you by the Society of Teachers of Family Medicine. You can find more episodes on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and most other podcast providers as well as on our website at stfm.org slash urnjam. Follow us on Twitter at stfm underscore fm. 